How are you guys doing today? It is Brian Tenenhouse here from Peak Performance Therapy and Wellness coming at you with Peak Pros Podcast episode. I want to say we're at 10 now. And uh, we've got a, a really fun guest today. Actually, this is my best friend from many, many years ago. We've been teaching tennis for several years. We've had a blast talking sports and life and everything in between. His name is David Rothschild. Um, David, welcome. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to talk about all sorts of fun stuff. Thanks for having me and calling me uh, by my formal name, David. You always call me Dave, so that was uh, that was shocking. Yeah, I kind of came. I don't know where that came from, but I guess the formal side of my brain was like, we're going to call him David today. But yeah, so Dave and I taught lots of tennis over the years, and I guess that's sort of apropos, if you will, um, because of why why Dave is here today and what we're going to be talking about. I think everyone's probably at the edge of their seat by now. Like, what what are you guys doing? What are you going to talk about? So, um, yeah, we taught lots of tennis together, and we basically um, we, we made up all sorts of fun games with little kids, and, you know, we, we worked with adults as well. Um, juniors coached, coached the team back in early 2000s, late 1990s and uh and so then i i became a pt and dave stuck with the tennis for a while and then more recently something happened so dave take the floor for a little bit yeah well just like you said i uh got into the uh, tennis profession which i was uh doing for about 20 plus years had a lot of different uh experiences on the court and most of my experiences with injuries on the court were from normal wear and tear, overuse, those types of things, as you can imagine, being on the concrete for so many hours and so many years. And uh, you also forgot to mention uh, that I was a, I worked for a company where we uh, did fitness for dogs and dog sitting. And so there was a lot of overuse injuries from that. But uh, while, we're, while we're having this podcast today, the main purpose uh, is because I had a, a uh, mild traumatic, what was later diagnosed as a mild traumatic brain injury from a high impact tennis ball, believe it or not, uh, into the, uh, right into the forehead, just above the, uh, the bridge of the nose in between the eyes. And, uh, so I was, uh, teaching a high school level class of tennis players who play high school level tennis. So, you know, they can hit the ball pretty hard. Um, it was, a, it was a, you know, males and female class. I had six kids on my court and I made, I would say a, a poor decision. Um, to do a volley drill on the same side of the net as the kids where I was hand tossing. So I was very, I was probably about six to seven feet from two different lines of kids and they were spaced apart to my right and left. And what, what required, what it required me to toss to my left and then turn to my right and toss to my right. And uh, one of the kids uh, grossly misfired, which happens. And I should have, you know, considered that, but you know, it, it, so basically, I turned to my left, I tossed the ball to uh, a, a girl who was in front, who was a very strong volleyer, and then I tossed to my right. And as I was turning back to my left, I unexpectedly and shockingly felt an impact of the ball hit me right, as I said, in between the eyes, just above the nose. And I immediately went down and kind of grabbed my head and was kind of like, wait, what? I was shocked that... <laughs> It just felt like it threw me off. Like it was like so unexpected that it just kind of, I wouldn't say created shock because that's too strong a word, but it just threw me off. And I just like went down on the ground and I was actually smiling and totally conscious. And the girl ran up and was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And was like kind of laughing. And then I started to feel a little weird. So I like left the uh, 
the indoor facility and started walking around outside. And that's kind of where the story began, um, which became way more uh, involved and complicated than I could ever imagine after that point. Yeah. So the reason to our listeners, the reason why I wanted to do this case study is because to me, this story is, is it's sad, but it's amazing all at the same time. And it was, it was just a, it was a hard time for Dave and, and, like he's a brother to me. So we talk on the phone sometimes three or four times a day, usually not that often unless it's, it's involving sports. But, um, and so sometimes, I mean, the, this story and the recovery process is just quite magnificent really. And I think people should hear this because there's definitely people out there who are dealing with these types of things and, you know, they don't know where to turn. They don't know who to turn to. They don't know how to get help. And unfortunately there's a lot of cases like this that, sort of get lost, um, in the, in the shuffle or like fall between the cracks, if you will. So, so moving on. So, so you felt basically fairly fine when it first happened, right? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I knew that I wasn't, I knew that I wasn't seriously injured. Obviously I knew that I was conscious. I didn't have any, you know, unconscious experiences where I blacked out or any severe pain right away or anything like that. But, um, I did notice some some kind of fuzzy vision and some dizziness, but I think, um, and this happens to a lot of people uh, since I've learned um, who do have brain injuries. Not not everyone, but some people experience you know acute anxiety and acute stress from the event, which cannot which can make your response to the um, to the injury worse. And that's in my case that was a big factor as well. And so I started to uh, to notice like vague vague visual symptoms and dizziness and, and, uh, and that was kind of just the beginning, but I still wasn't, I was still hopeful that they would go away. Um, because everyone said that most concussions, they go away within, you know, two to four weeks. And then in some cases they last a little longer. And then in very rare cases, they last much longer, which was, uh, the case for me, unfortunately. So when was, do you happen to remember approximate what month or what day this happened? Yeah, yeah. It happened uh, early uh, 2019 and uh, right around my birthday in January, um, late January. It was, I don't, I can't remember the exact day, but it was around that time. And then, uh, so January, early 2019. And I uh, continued to work for the next uh, two or three months teaching tennis, but I still noticed symptoms. Uh, I never went to the doctor. I just kind of noticed weird symptoms where I started to feel a little bit dizzy or my vision was uh, blurred. And at the time, I knew very little about what was happening in terms of my vision. Now I know a lot more, which I'm sure we'll get into as, as to what was actually happening um, that I can describe uh, more, I guess, uh, scientifically or eloquently. But um, at the time, it was just scary because I just felt like I wasn't getting better and I was concerned. And so I guess that so two questions going back to the mechanics so how far away was this person when they hit the volley like how you know how, uh, they were how, probably, how far did the they're probably come? about maybe 10 feet away all right so this ball came from 10 feet at a high speed so obviously you had zero time to react even if you were right there but the fact that you were your head was kind of rotating to the left when this happened because you had been i think looking to the right at the exactly moment. so your head was in a little bit of a torsional uh, motion Ball hits him right smack between the eyes. So he goes back to teach tennis for a couple, two to three months and some sort of vague, um, dizzy, blurry type of symptoms. And then what happened? Everything actually started, I started to get 
stressed and worried and afraid because my symptoms weren't improving and I wasn't ready to accept uh, the new the new normal of feeling dizziness or weird visual symptoms at various points. And then I really started to get worse where I had light sensitivity. I couldn't look at screens. Um, I had weird uh, headaches behind my eyes, which would switch. You know, one day it'd be behind my right eye, another day behind my left eye. I started feeling uh, a lot of fatigue um, and things just got a lot worse. And that's when I started to seek more specific uh, answers from the medical community. And much to my disappointment, the initial search uh, into that was didn't yield much and, and, and just increased the, uh, the frustration for me personally. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, I'm guessing you would have probably gone to your primary care physician or like who, who did you start with and, and not really feel like you got anywhere? So I think the first thing I did was I actually went to the local uh, urgent care, not, it, it's not hundred percent urgent care. It's kind of like a, a primary care physician, but it's just a walk-in clinic, I guess, if you will. And they said, well, you need to go to, uh, the ER to get a CAT scan for your head since obviously I was experiencing, uh, you know, head symptoms. So I decided not to do that and to wait longer. And, you know, I was just kind of confused and frustrated. I didn't know what to do. Um, so then eventually I, I wound up, uh, I forgot how I got this information, but they said there was a concussion specialist at a local physical therapy place. And that's, uh, that was, uh, at that point it, it was around late May of that same year, 2019. So about four or five months after the, uh, the impact or the, in, the initial injury, um, I started seeing, uh, someone who titled themselves as a concussion specialist at a physical therapy clinic. And then that's kind of where I first started seeking treatment. Did you feel so? Okay. So concussion specialist, which, you know, could be as simple as going to a three day weekend course and they learn a little bit about concussion, or it could be someone who spent, you know, 10 years working with a lot of different place, uh, patients who've dealt with these types of things. So were, did you have any, any positive, um, outcome in that situation or like, did that, did, where did you go from there? How did that go? So I basically, I, I, it was a young lady who, uh, she used to be a cheerleader in college and she had uh, personal experiences with concussions herself. And she was primarily just working with, uh, people who had mild traumatic brain injuries at that clinic. And, uh, she was essentially, you know, young, but she had, you know, all she did was work with concussion patients. And so she kind of took me through a, a series of baseline tests and, uh, gave me some exercises to do all of which uh, was overwhelming to me at first um, and didn't really seem to improve my symptoms, which she had the right mindset to help me, but nothing was really working. And so it had been about three or four appointments and I just kind of uh, decided I wanted, I wanted to go up to a different level of professionalism and uh, seek, seek help from, a, from an optometrist uh, that I, I, I think I researched and found out that she had experience with um working with uh, brain injured patients. Interesting. And so you had not seen that optometrist before that wasn't like your local optometrist or something. That was someone you researched, you found out about. Um, and I, yeah. I, um, go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I just found out, I found her name somehow just on Google as had, you know, I, I think I called her and I asked, uh, if she had experience working with, um, 
people who had brain injuries and she said she, she needed to do an examination um, to see where, you know, what my visual, uh, my vision was like and how it was functioning. And then so I went to see her and she took me through a really long, extensive series of tests and she prescribed glasses, gave me some exercises, but I still wasn't, I was still in the, in the, uh, in the lack of trust phase where I didn't feel like I didn't know if this was going to work or what was going on. And so, and plus I didn't, she, I wasn't going to be able to get the insurance to cover her appointments, which were really expensive. And so I decided to stop doing that as well. And around that time, it was around June or July of 2019, still six months later after the injury and still experiencing a lot of symptoms. And my symptoms were actually getting worse and so that was, you know, very concerning. So I didn't know what to do at that point. And meanwhile, the <clears throat> I'm trying to think is this this is also when the Washington Nationals were starting to. No, I guess they weren't. They weren't in the playoffs yet. That was still a few more months. <laughs> because Dave Got is me. a huge Nationals fan, and they they just so happened to win the championship this, I guess that that current October, and he wasn't really able to experience very much or any of it other than on the radio I guess right yeah I mean I experienced a lot of it um on the radio because um as I mentioned before like starting late uh May and going into the rest of that year um and then beyond I had intense reactions to light intense reactions to computer screens televisions phones uh even just reading reading text on a page um it was there was a huge issue of just the words were fuzzy. They were moving. I couldn't sustain focus. Uh, and I learned later on, which we'll get into what, what the, what the main, one of the main issues was, but uh, at the time it just felt like there was something wrong with my brain. Um, I, I forgot to mention that I did wind up getting a, an order for a, uh, cat scan, uh, which came back, came back totally normal or CT scan, I should say, um, and which came back totally normal. And, uh, and then, as you mentioned, yep, going into October, that's right just before the time that I, I took a step that would, would be a huge, uh, huge change and actually uh, would help me improve for the first time. But it, it took a while. Yeah, so if you, I mean, just first of all, for our listeners, so we're recording, at the time of this recording, it's approximately two years from the date of this injury. And so, I mean, for anyone who's dealt with headaches, uh, you know, chronic pain, chronic anything, um, or something like you're describing, visual deficits, a day or a week is a long time. But, but I mean, at this point, it's October. We'll, we'll say approximately October. We're looking at three quarters of a year that Dave has been dealing with this at this point. I mean, that's a long, long time. And it can really wreak havoc on your your mental state because you you get to that fear state, you get to that point where you know you're you're losing sleep over it. Your you know your hormonal balance is so far off because you're stressed, and as everyone knows, stress um, the stress state can obviously leads to inflammation and pain and 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 just anxiety. It, it just creates a very vicious cycle that can be uh, debilitating for a lot of people. So. So take us to, you know, let's take us to late summer, early fall, where you, where I guess you, you just alluded to where you started to see some positive progress. Um, I, well, I didn't see positive progress at that point either. Um, I just, uh, basically what happened was, uh, 
just to create a visual um, when the nationals won the world series i was lying on the floor uh early november putting my hands above my face icing I had ice on my head i was lying on the floor you know a lot of the time throughout the year just icing between my eyes because i just felt that pain behind my eyes i felt dizzy and uh you you explained that really well in terms of the stress response i started to get uh you know, an overwhelming sense of uh, dread, depression, uh, heightened sense of anxiety, and uh, just living in a fear state. Um, so uh, I, I guess you would call that in the scientific world, you call it like sympathetic state, the nervous system. Yeah, you're, well, yeah, where you're, you're, you're kind of in this fight or flight or... Exactly. Um, I was in fight or flight constantly. And, you know, so, so, I mean, for people who don't know you, like, this is a situation where he's a, a diehard sports fan. He's loved, you know, the Washington nationals since they became a team and, and baseball before that. And he's laying there when they win their first world series, laying on his back in the dark with an ice pack on his head. Like, so, so for anyone who might be saying, Oh, you know, he's, he's just dealing with some, he, you know, this isn't real or this doesn't happen to people, or they're just kind of like making this up. It's just, if there's ever a way to prove that this is very real, like this is a good way because I mean, he, he would, would have probably really enjoyed being able to turn on the television and, and just for five minutes, just watch that, you know, watch. I remember the stories about him watching the TV or listening to the TV, but not actually watching the TV was turned around. So the TV was on and he could hear the commentary, but not actually watch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my life was becoming the option. The things that I was doing in my life were becoming more and more narrow. The options of doing anything were becoming smaller and smaller. And I was basically living in a, like a fear state where I couldn't use my eyes. I started to experience noise sensitivity, which didn't happen early on, but started to develop later on uh, late 2019. Um, and I was just kind of at the point of uh, hopelessness. I mean, I, I even had, uh, which I had never had previously. I had suicidal thoughts. Uh, I had, you know, I really felt like I was basically at rock bottom and that there, that, that there was no hope for me to ever recover. Like I was, you know, thinking in my mind, okay, this is something I'm going to have to deal with the rest of my life where I can't, uh, you know, I didn't really mention earlier, but I, I had, as you can imagine, when you're having a lot of visual symptoms, it can affect your vestibular system and your balance system. So just walking around, I felt dizzy and uncomfortable and I did experience strong vertigo outbreaks where they would last for a couple hours and then it would go away. Some days I had vertigo all day long, which is incredibly uncomfortable and difficult to deal with. And you add on top of the anxiety and the depression when you're feeling that there is a sense of hopelessness that takes over. And uh, that's why you have me on today, because to be at that point uh, and to be suffering for uh, that long a period of time uh, and then to be where I am today is, is, is it's, it's definitely a miracle. I count my blessings. So, so talk to, were you, were you just last piece and then let's get to the, the other side of the story. So were you able to drive? Were you working? Like what were you doing in that sense? So that? I ended up stopped, stopping work, uh, in from, from my uh, teaching tennis job in late May because I, I forgot to mention earlier, but I was, as I was, the ball was going back and forth as I was trying to teach, it was getting harder and harder for me to feel comfortable standing there. I was, it was making me more and more dizzy because I was so stressed and so uh, uh, fearful, I wasn't an effective teacher or communicator. I just was in a, in a bad place. And so 
Um, I shut that down. I was just walking dogs basically to earn some extra supplemental income. Um, and, but driving, driving, I mean, I probably shouldn't say it cause it was, I mean, I was being as safe as I could, but it definitely was uncomfortable. I wouldn't say it was unsafe. I mean, I knew there were, I knew, I, I knew what was around me, but I just felt really uncomfortable. So I didn't want to drive for very long. And, um, photography is also a passion. That was a problem. Um, so I couldn't do that as much. Um, and that's when I finally, uh, basically the initial concussion specialist that I went to, uh, that I didn't find much success with, um, did mention the vision therapy as something which I hadn't, hadn't really heard too much about. And I decided to give uh, a local place uh, a call. And that's when I kind of got started on the, um, the road to recovery. So what is vision therapy and what types of things were they doing with you? And well, essentially, um, I went to uh, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Todd Davis, who's a former college football player, an amazing man who's been practicing uh, vision therapy. He's what's considered a neurooptometrist. And vision therapy is like physical therapy for the eyes and for the brain um, and for the vestibular system. Essentially, it's those, those are the main things that, that, you're, um, that you're working with. And he took me through a, an intense examination for a couple hours and diagnosed me with uh, binocular dysfunction uh, vestibular dysfunction, uh, and some unspecified diagnoses as well. Um, and so I kind of got started with vision therapy. And even at that point, it was very similar with the, when I first started with the concussion specialist, nothing was really working, but I was prescribed nine months of vision therapy, which is, I was going there once a week. And so you can tell, you can imagine there was a, I had a long way to go, obviously based on the prescription. Um, total of total of 36 sessions were prescribed to me. And basically for the first three months of vision therapy, I really didn't notice any improvement either, but I just, the only thing it provided was some support because they understood what I was going through there, but I still didn't really notice much improvement at the time. And I feel like <clears throat> just as your friend, there were definitely times where you, you would, you would feel like you were doing better. And then suddenly you'd have a backslide and that's as a patient, whether it's your knee, whether it's your, you know, your shoulder or your, your vision, that's, that's pretty crippling. Also, when you, you know, you finally, um, you know, you go a week or you go three or four days where you're like, yeah, I went, I went on two runs and I, my knee felt good. And then the third run, it's like right back to square one. You're like, yeah, it was killing me again. And so I feel like there were definitely times where, you know, I don't remember exactly where that fit into your timeline, but you started to feel like you're, you know, making some progress and then you would have sort of a setback or, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I would describe it really more as constant setbacks. Really. I, I, I mean, the progress was really not noticeable at all in the beginning. Um, I didn't, you know, I still had a sense of hopelessness. I was uh, speaking to, I was getting psychotherapy at the time to try to get me out, to help me out, deal with it or to cope with what I was dealing with. And, uh, when I first started working with Dr. Davis at the Virginia and Vision Therapy Center, uh, I was concerned that uh, I might have had Lyme disease too. That's one of the reasons I, I was, you know, because everyone was saying that, you know, not I didn't have a history of brain injuries. Uh, my MRIs, my my CT scans were normal. So let's maybe consider some other things that are going on. So Lyme disease obviously can affect your nervous system. So that was something. Um, I had multiple Lyme tests that came back negative. 
which was great. Um, but at the time, I asked uh, Dr. Davis uh, if he recommended anyone, and he recommended a gentleman by the name of Dr. Robert Duca, who's a functional medicine practitioner, a chiropractor, an acupuncturist, among many things. Um, and I and I went to see him to be evaluated uh, as well. And that's uh, that's where really I started to uh, to turn the corner um, with his insights and what he uh, how he diagnosed me and and the and the therapy that he uh, provided me really started to get me going in the right direction. So going back just for one second, sure. did, were you on any medication for the, for the psychotherapy? Did they put you on anything or was that just strictly talk therapy? And, and Oh yeah, that was like- just uh, talk therapy. I did go to a neurologist, which I forgot to mention as you can, I mean, it's hard to remember everything because yeah. when you're so like desperate, you're just going, you're, you're, you're trying everything. And the neurologist put me on antidepressants, which I tried for a week and then, I just decided to stop because I didn't think I was, I didn't think the depression was something that was inherent. It was something that was more of like a, an after effect of what happened to me. And I didn't want to just, I wanted to treat, I didn't want to treat the symptoms. I wanted to get to the root cause. And so I felt, you know, it probably isn't the best, best thing to do. Obviously, if you're, if someone's really suffering from the depression, you know, you should listen to your doctor and take the medication. But me personally, I decided that it wasn't for me and I, and I decided to just stop. Um, and I, it said on the bottle too that the the medication can make you dizzy, and of course, <laughs> I already had anxiety about my symptoms, and so I was worried that that could be making it worse. And so, you know, I was a mess basically. Yeah, but the truth is, there are more people that are like you that than that are not like you, and when it comes to that stuff, like people people don't just, I mean, there's definitely some people that are all about, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, I need this, this medication, this is what helps me. And by all means, like, if that's what they need, but there's plenty of people who also, they try out a new medication for two or three days or, or a week. And they say, you know what, this isn't doing anything. I'm not taking this. Like, you, you'd be surprised when you find out how many other people do the exact same thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's your decision. It's your choice. And that pers- particular person did that prescription for you thinking it might help you. But you know, in essence, you're like a guinea pig for them when they when they do that. So you're entitled to make those informed decisions. Nobody knows you as much as you do. And so I think you probably made the right decision in the end. Yeah, I was really disappointed with the neurologist's care. Uh, you know, I said to him, you know, I've been suffering with all these different symptoms. Is there anything else besides just taking these uh, antidepressants that you recommend? And he his response was, I'm a medical doctor, you know, 20... Uh, 75% of the people who have brain injuries are fine within a couple of weeks. Another 24% or so get better within a few months. And then a very small percentage of people never improve. And I was like, thanks, man. This <laughs> help, dude. I really appreciate it. And I'll go pick up my prescription at the local uh, drugstore. <laughs> I was just, I mean, I was, I was yeah, angry, as you can imagine. It's frustrating. I mean, it's uh, like I was crying that day. Like uh, I, when I got my prescription and I sat back in the car, I just just, putting everything in perspective, it had been almost a year. And here I am sitting in the car with a bottle of antidepressants and not feeling like this isn't really knowing it deep down in my gut, this isn't really going to help me and just how far I had fallen and being mainly unemployed. And, you know, it was just, it was, it was frustrating. So to say the least. So let's talk. All right. So let's talk more now the uplifting, uh, before I get my tissues out, let's, let's get to the good part of this now. So, I mean, cause this is, you know, what, how you got to where you are today is just what to me is just so cool to hear. And the part that, you know, I think it's important that people have heard the the first 20 something minutes of this because 
people have to understand how bad this got and, and that it's normal or that some people are dealing with things like this, but the solution, the cure, the, the, the fix is what's just the really cool part. So talk to us a little bit more about Dr. Duca and what he, how he was able to help you feel better. Well, his insights were insane because the very first appointment I spent probably three and a half hours with him. He examined me, uh, medically, uh, and also, uh, just talking to me, asking me a ton of questions. And I did a bunch of uh, blood work. Uh, I did a neurotransmitter test. I did all this stuff. But before I even got the test results back, um, he was confident that uh, he was confident that what I was experiencing was a, uh, a what, what he kind of described as stress illness. Um, after the fact, uh, dealing with uh, some symptoms from a brain injury that was and basically that the stress and my nervous system were the primary driver in my symptoms. And uh, my test results confirmed his suspicions exactly based on uh, what my neurotransmitters were test resulted was. And so he started, uh, he started me on a, a, a regimen of constant chiropractic adjustments three times a week to affect my nervous system, uh, botanical medicine to calm my nervous system, adaptogenic medicine, which is uh, adaptogenic herbs, which calm the nervous system. And he knows, he knew Dr. Davis. And so the vision therapy was going to specifically address uh, the visual issues. And slowly, after about three or four months of, uh, so basically a year later, starting in like uh, late December, early January, 2020. Right. And you're, you're starting to feel like you're possibly maybe on the right track. So what happened was, uh, the first thing that happened was my response to stress started to change um, and that started to make me feel better, but my visual symptoms still were not really improving that much. So after seeing Dr. Robert Duca, the functional medicine practitioner, after about a month of the botanical medicine, the chiropractic care, um, I also did biofeedback and neurofeedback with him. And that started to change my response to stress, meaning the way I was feeling overall, my general mood, uh, my ability to accept my situation uh, instead of fight my situation constantly uh, started to make me feel better, but I was still experiencing visual symptoms. But meanwhile, at uh, the vision therapy I was doing, they told me it could take a while before my vision started to the functioning the way my vision functioned uh started to improve i mean because i had an issue with my visual functioning my binocular function not so much my vision because what people should know in the audience is my vision was 2020 but the way my eyes were functioning is is what the problem was in terms of my binocular vision now i think you had described this well first of all you had mentioned biofeedback and and i think you said neurofeedback what what is that real quick what is that uh so it so he prescribed me uh, a series of exercises uh, where you are you're doing different uh, you're, you're listening to the way your body is functioning and you're using different techniques to get the body to change uh, how it's how it's functioning and so those those parameters could be your the, your body temperature they could be your pulse rate, they could be your, uh, your awareness of uh, tension in your body and how you can change your relationship to that and relax, relax things in your body, your relationship to pain. 
And so the first thing he had me do was just very specific things like take your temperature and then try to increase your body's temperature and then take it again through biofeedback where, you know, I mean, it sounds like um, mystical stuff, but it's just, it's, it's amazing. Like you can actually, uh, he had me thinking of trying to increase my body's temperature, thinking like I'm getting hotter and then doing that while I'm breathing deeply and then taking my temperature and see if I can actually change my own body temperature in both directions, cooler and hotter. And so he basically like restored the confidence in my own ability to uh, make myself feel the way I wanted to feel essentially. So I wasn't wow. just stuck in this stress, fearful state, but I actually had some control over how my body was functioning. That's so interesting. Yeah. So that, that leads me actually, uh, I know a lot of triathletes who train with a heart rate principle where they, they are supposed to run or ride at a specific heart rate. And it's like, when I asked them, well, how do you, how do you manage it? Like, you know, typically you would just slow down if you need your heart rate to slow down, but they say, well, you just got to learn how to control your heart rate. And I'm like, wait, what? You can control your heart rate. And they're like, well, yeah, some of it's a manner of, you know, being hydrated and, and what you're eating and how you're preparing for the day before. And, but ultimately over time, you, you can actually control things like that as well, which is just like you said, mystical. It's, it's pretty interesting to hear that type of thing, but that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it just, what it did was it restored my confidence in how I was responding to pain because a lot of the exercises we did were directly targeted at the pain I was experiencing behind my eyes and trying to lessen that, um, through, through various, uh, neurofeedback and biofeedback techniques, which sound complicated, but basically what I was doing was I was just uh, using sort of like affirmation, like taking deep breaths and saying the pain behind my eye is lessening the pain and doing that over and over again and using different words or different phrases to try to get to that. And it didn't have a, prof it didn't have a massive change, but it, it still had an, a, a small enough change that it, it gave me confidence that I could change and that I could get better. Right. So, <clears throat> Did, so did you just continue to ride the course at this point or was there, at what point did you start to see a little bit of progress with your visual deficiency? Well, I would say in vision therapy about six to eight months in. So I started vision therapy in November of 2019 and I started to notice that, okay, my eyes were improving. I finally was able to look at screens again, starting in around June or July Oh my God, the dogs are howling upstairs. Um, I can't even hear them. Around June or July of 2020, of course, uh, about four or five months into the pandemic. So that was like another confounding factor and stress. But basically, uh, finally, through just intense, I know you, you're a physical therapist. And so I'm sure it's a similar concept. But like a lot of the improvement I, I noticed was just my own awareness of how I was using my eyes. And so I guess, uh, you know, how someone else uses the body in physical therapy can change uh, the way their body's functioning. In this case, it was my visual functioning. Just um, there's just it, it goes pretty deep. I mean, I took overall 48 weeks worth of vision therapy, I ended up getting prescribed an additional nine uh, additional uh, 12 units or 12 weeks. Um, so there's just so many different concepts. And I got deep into the how my eyes were functioning. And so eventually I, I found my way out of the hole and, you know, through practice, through repetition, through awareness, uh, 
I'm, I was able to uh, get back a much more normal life. I still experience symptoms today, and I'm experiencing symptoms right now. I still have pain behind my eyes. I still get dizzy, but I know how to get out of that hole now, and I know how to. I know what's happening, and so uh, there's a sense of uh, sovereignty with over my own what I'm experiencing um, instead of just feeling like it's out of my control. Now I feel like I'm. It's within my control now, which is a, a much uh, more uh, gratifying feeling. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so I guess the first step with that is, like you say, control. I mean, it feels nice to feeling out of control is is scary, and it's not. It's frustrating and debilitating for a lot of people. Whether it's just you know whether if it's again going back to knee or shoulder pain, if you if you know that if I paint this wall, my shoulder will hurt, but I know which exercises to do. And I know it will take two to three days or less to come out of it. And I'll ice it, maybe take an anti-inflammatory and I'll be fine by Saturday. Then people feel a lot more comfortable with that than my shoulder has been killing me for five weeks. I've done physical therapy with two different practitioners. The MRI said that everything was normal. And I have no idea what to do because it's killing me and I can't sleep at night and I'm getting put into a stress cycle because I, I'm up every night because I can't sleep, you know, like can't hold my small child at home. Um, I walk the dog for relaxation and every time the dog tugs, it hurts my shoulder like that. When you're out of control and it, it can lead to some really stressful situations that, that can be debilitating. So that's where, again, the control that you got back is, is huge. And so it's so, it's so nice to hear. Um, exactly. I mean, can you talk just for a second? What is, can you describe what like binoc is, what's it called? Binocular dysfunction. Dysfunction. What is, do you know what that, I mean, I'm guessing you do. Can you describe it a little bit more? Like, um, what is exactly happening? So, um, obviously I'm not uh, an optometrist, but I am a patient that's been through a lot and I learned a lot. So, um, this may not be a hundred percent professional or accurate, but from my experience, um, binocular dysfunction is when we all obviously we all have two eyes and the brain and the eyes were work were designed um, to work together. So you're getting the most accurate visual information from the world, which then uh, communicates to the body and your vestibular system. So you can navigate the world and not notice disturbances and everything seems like it's it's, um, you know, looks right, your balance is good. You're not you're just people take it for granted, but your eyes are basically like they move together, right? When you look at something up close, your eyes turn in together. And when you look at something a little further away, they start to um, turn in less and they, they, they go out a little bit. Um, and so what happened in my case is my eyes were uh, what they described at vision therapy were rivaling each other. They were not cooperating. So one eye was trying to work too hard while the other eye was relaxing or vice versa. And so I had to, to relearn how to use my eyes together. So, so therefore my, my binocular vision was, uh, more normal. And again, that's a very kind of a layman description of it, but uh, you know, it's, I guess the analogy would be somebody who's walking and not using their you know, their legs together properly. And so maybe they're overusing one leg. And of course, that's going to lead to problems or pain or whatever. But that's kind of kind of how it is. Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent analogy, really, like, your your eyeballs, <clears throat> you know, there's, you know, they, they work in conjunction with each other, just like you described it. And so 
Um, and, you know, I could just go off on a quick balance tangent. So many patients say, oh, I have terrible balance. And I say, well, you know, there's three components to balance. There's the vestibular system, which is essentially um, your inner ear. And that works together with these little receptors and in your joints. So your knee, your ankle, your hip. And so those proprioceptors and the vestibular system are two components to balance. And the third piece is your vision. And anybody knows this, when you try to stand on one leg and then you shut your eyes, a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people and most people um, lose their balance or lose their balance much more quickly because they, you're taking away that vesti- uh, the, the visual component to balance. And so, um, so yeah, you, that's why it all goes, you know, totally hand in hand between the vestibular system, your visual cortex, and then your, your brain and your body all working together to try to make this happen. And like you say, we just take it for granted. You just, you know, you stare at your phone, you look at the computer screen, you quick turn your head when somebody says, Hey, Brian, can you come over here for a second? And you just take it for granted that, that your eyes can just keep up with the rest of your body. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm guessing, and, uh, I'm guessing you don't take that for granted anymore. In my particular case, especially someone that's experiencing an acute stress response, you get uh, a lot of a lot of people who are in that situation. And I, I know I was. You, you get what's called tunnel vision, and your eyes are not looking in the right depth of where they should because of a s- intense stress you're experiencing. Your eyes are just locked in way, way close. And then to go back out there in the world and look, look at something in the distance is not easy. And so that can cause dizziness and just difficulty, what they call um, switching between things at a distance and things are up close. I guess you would call that, uh, uh, what's the word for that? Um, I forgot the word they use, but uh, being able to just working through that transition, basically, what's that? It's like a transition. Maybe that's not the technical term, but you're just sort of transitioning between different focal points or something. Yeah, like for people who are their eyes are functioning normally, when they're looking at something close, and then all of a sudden they look at something far, there's a seamless transition, as you just mentioned. But for me, it was like, if I'm looking at something close, I'm tunneling, and then I look up, I'm still stuck in that close thing, and I can't relax my vision out. Gotcha. So that was just one example of the things that were going wrong with my vision. But and of course, it was affecting my vestibular system, too. I mean, there were so many components that, you know, doing an hour or 45 minute podcast isn't really going to do it justice. But you know, these are some of the main concepts that were, that were going on. So do you feel like what percent do you feel better at this point? I mean, you're, you know, obviously, you're able to send me text messages, you're able to look at your complete computer screen for a fair amount of time. Um, you know, are you at a, a pretty good state right now or where are you and where are you obviously hoping to get to? I, obviously we know that, but, uh, yeah, I've noticed just like infinite improvement. Um, since I finally turned the corner back in July, 2020, it's been slowly getting better and it just, I seem to get stronger and stronger. My eyes are more and more resilient. Um, I still have symptoms. I may always have symptoms. Um, but I have so many tools, uh, to deal with the symptoms. I know, for, for the most part now, what symptoms I'm experiencing and why and how I can try to fix them and what I need. And so there's just so much um, self-reliance I have now and understanding with what's going on that I just feel so much better. My stress response is not there now because when I have bad symptoms, 
I understand them. I know what to do. And I have, like, as I said, I, I have sovereignty over the situation, whereas before I just felt so out of control. So I would say it, my eyes n never feel as good as they did before the injury. They still, I still have issues. That's, that almost seems like it's never going to change, but overall my nervous system and who I am is, is actually much stronger. And so uh, to this day, I'm, I'm very grateful that it actually happened because it changed me psychologically and just gave me a, a deep found belief in the body's own capacity to heal and that there are there is help for whatever you may be going through if it's more of a complicated uh symptom pattern from a brain injury or whatever it is you're dealing with that it may take a while but when you find the help you need you you can recover yeah right on and i think people need to also, you know, one of the things you did so well is you kept searching, you kept working on it. You didn't just listen to, and I think too many people like are almost like they go to the doctor and whatever the doctor says they do. And then they just sort of like, they get helpless because they are just waiting for someone to help them, but you have to be your own advocate. And I think you should be applauded for really going in, you know, you are a little bit lucky in that you live in Northern Virginia where there's just loaded with great practitioners, uh, you know, also not great practitioners, but at least, you know, someone who, who is maybe in the middle of, uh, you know, middle small town and somewhere in, in America, there's potentially not as many viable, uh, helpful options. They'll have to work even harder, but the truth is there's there's plenty of good people out there. There's a lot of people that can even help you remotely at this point. And so you just you did a great job finding help and, and then finally, you know, trusting your gut to, to stick with what was working. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very blessed and very lucky. And, uh, you know, a day a day doesn't go by where I, I don't feel a, a sense of gratitude that I was able to find the help I needed, which also gives me the inspiration to help others now and give back knowing that, you know, it's, it's possible to find the help you need, no matter how hard it is. So in summary, I would say, you know, it sounds like vision therapy, um, you know, the, the chiropractic adjustments that Dr. Duca was doing. Um, obviously, too, I forgot to mention that was a big part of my um, protocol as well. And then there were some, you know, botanical and some sort of herbs that you had mentioned. Um, the psychotherapy, you know, it was, there was a lot of people or a lot of pieces that seemed to help get you here. Yes. Obviously the vision therapy was a big piece of it. It wasn't cheap. <laughs> um, but it's, I think just for people who are dealing with these types of things, you know, seek out care and don't write off, you know, don't just assume, Oh, well, I, whatever my primary care doctor or the neurologist says goes. And cause you know, if you think back to Dave's story, if he stuck with that, then he might be sitting here on antidepressants and really have gotten nowhere still. And so um, instead, he's not taking any medication at this point and, um, you know, just continue to work through things. And, you know, a lot of times it takes some behavioral changes, some exercise, and then hopefully you don't have to do that stuff for the rest of your life. Maybe some of it you do, some of it you don't. But uh, but to, to sort of change that immediate course of, or that trajectory sometimes does take a lot of dedication. So, um, yeah. Is, is there anything else you want to add real quick before we finish up here? Yeah, I would just say that, uh, it's, it's the whole picture that in my case, uh, 
makes the biggest difference. It's not just one doctor. It's not just one form of therapy. When you are dealing with something so vague, like uh, visual issue, issues, dizziness, uh, depression, all those things, it's going to take a village in a lot of cases. And so be persistent, as you said, take charge of your own care. And if you're if, if you find something that works, even if you can't explain why it works, then just keep doing it and keep trying to find a solution because um, the body it the body is amazing. And as much as the body can get injured and, and start to have dysfunction, it, it can be it can be restored. It's it's healing powers are, are you know, profound. Yep. And I think that's that's a great um, message to send to people who are dealing with a lot of different types of chronic issues. Um, I definitely agree. You know, body can heal itself, but sometimes it does need a little uh, jump start. Yeah, and so, if anyone's listening to this who is dealing with a brain injury at any point, uh, obviously it's out there on the web. This podcast, um, just contact Brian, and I'd be happy to even talk to you uh, over the phone if, if you are struggling with something and you need need to need help in some way. I, I can certainly provide that. Awesome, that's real nice of you. Sweet. So, um, yeah, guys. You know, I know this was a little bit of a different episode than the types that we've done in the past, but I really feel like this is a great message to share with people, and um, <clears throat> and I think it's an awesome story. So I'm just really psyched to have been able to do this with Dave, and you know, so once again, thank you, Dave, for sharing that story. I know that that takes a lot, and it's uh, you know, there was some pretty low points and moments throughout the last couple of years, but the good news is you're on the other end of it. So we're, we're happy for you. And we're, you know, we're hoping that you can get back to that full, full recovery and get back to everything that you want to be doing. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate you giving me a chance to share my story and uh, you know, thanks again for doing this. You are one of my best friends and we've been, uh, we've done a lot over the years together. So I know you're, you're helping people in a big way uh, with some of the stuff they're struggling with. So be able to share my story on your show is definitely an honor yeah man you know it's awesome uh that's what we want to do we want to help as many people as we can and and not just as many people but we want to help people the people we are helping we want to help them to the best of our ability so hopefully this will help somebody and and we'll take it from there um stay tuned everybody for some more great episodes coming soon to peak pros podcast and uh we'll we'll check off for now and say have a great day and enjoy your weekend coming up take care